Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in the starter's hut and ready to get the field away as we take another wander along the game's less travelled roads. Although today, it has to be said, we're treading a fairly well-worn path, though the footsteps we're following in are mostly those of lazy mainstream media. That's titillating, isn't it? More on that to come. Many of you will be aware that there was movement earlier this week on proposals surrounding the Northcote Golf Course in Melbourne, a publicly owned facility which was at the centre of much conjecture after the 2020 pandemic lockdowns. Last December, we spoke to Bill Jennings of the Northcote Community and Golf Hub, which was actively offering up compromise proposals to allow both golfers and non-golfers to coexist on the space. Bill will be back with us in just a moment to discuss council's decision earlier this week. Before that, though, I will, as I always do at this stage of proceedings, bring in my co-host, Adrian Loke, who, frankly, I barely recognise. It's been so long since we are in the studio together. We'll save the review of your barn boogle boondoggle for another episode, but looking forward to chatting with Bill in the meantime on a topic that we've covered plenty on this podcast, but remains one of the most important facing the game. Oh, that was my You can speak now, yeah. Oh, I, I like that starter's hut. Thing ready I to can, get the field away? That hit me at about. I can see you quarter to six. I can see you know. running a starter's hut, just pointing absentmindedly <laughs> at the first tee. And <laughs> just, oh, just play for the yellow. Right, You'll be all fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Looking forward to uh, chatting to and looking forward to breaking down the barn boogle boondoggle we'll get there. Uh, in a couple of weeks' yeah. time. That'll be good. Now, just before I introduce Bill, a quick catch up for those who might not be aware of the Northcote backstory. Northcote's a publicly owned course in suburban Melbourne. During the lockdowns of 2020, when golf wasn't allowed in Victoria and travel restrictions were, I think, about 5Ks you're allowed to travel from home for the purposes of exercise, etc., the golf course agreed to open its fairways to the general public for the term of the lockdowns. Now, that decision came after a group of locals took it upon themselves to cut holes in the course boundary fence and use the space regardless. You can see that there's some tension brewing here. The upshot of all that was that a local movement started to have the golf closed down at Northcotton for the course to be resumed as parkland. As you might expect, there's been much back and forth and politicking ever since. Earlier this week, the council made some announcements about what will happen at the site, which is where Bill Jennings comes in. Bill, as I said, is a spokesperson for the Northcote Community and Golf Hub. Many of our Melbourne listeners would have seen and heard Bill these past few days talking about the council's findings earlier in the world. But Bill, thanks for taking some time. For those not familiar, can you just give us a quick thumbnail sketch of what happened at the council meeting this Monday evening just gone? Uh, thanks, Rod, and g'day, Adrian, as well. Um, I like the starter's hut. Uh, <laughs> image as well. So he's got, he's a, got that, it's a, he's a little bit royal right amount of. He's got the right amount of surliness and <laughs> and and not caring. I'll get, I'll get he, you to the second tee in a hurry. People will be, be very keen to get away from the first. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's your variation of let's get the blindside buddy in motion. Yeah, that's exactly that, uh, right. Roy and HG talk about you know. So um, uh, look, I um, yeah, look, it's um, thanks for having me back, and 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 in doing that, thanks for having um, a representative of the. Uh, most comprehensive community vision that's been put up for the Northcote Public Golf Course, mm-hmm. the future shared use of it. You know, we, we live in um, we live in the bubble in uh, inner city Australia that um, you know can't read the politics of the rest of Australia. There's a lot of uh, um, you know it's uh, it's a place that uh, has you know it's very progressive um, and uh, and and a great place to live, Northcote. Thornbury, Preston, Reservoir make up the city of Darabin. Uh, yeah, and so you've characterised what happened in the lockdowns uh, very well. And uh, interestingly, uh, you know, at the time I approached um, the Northcote Golf Club and the Normanby Park Golf Club, which would be the traditional men's and women's clubs, which are now um, both multi-gender clubs, um, and, uh, and just said, look, I'm not – interested in necessarily being a member of either of your clubs, but I am a local resident who plays at Northcote. And um, originally we play, we organised a group called We Play Golf at Northcote. And then we recognised as we developed our group that um, we were getting support from folk who don't play golf because we we're starting to talk about a vision of shared use that might include an improved facility uh, that we would lobby for um, government support for that state government support to potentially get some sports infrastructure money um but effectively we we put a response to people to say yeah it's been fine we had no problem with people using the course during lockdown if they used it appropriately i mean the bunkers were 
um, virtually destroyed and had to be repaired. And mm-hmm. um, there was probably a lot of education that the community needed to know about caring for a golf course if you're using it as a park temporarily. Um, but that was that's all okay because we all shared um, the experience of not being able to travel five kilometres and those sorts of things. But what evolved in the group who called themselves the Unlock Northcote Golf Course Group um, was uh, a process whereby they started to uh, mischaracterise the people who play at Northcote. And the first thing that we needed to do was communicate with the community. You do understand that's a public golf course. There's a lot of people because of golf not having told its story very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and look, you know, credit to Golf Australia who are on a very um, good footing. Uh, James Sutherland's. I've heard him do a great interview on Seven Seven Four. Uh, Saturday morning breakfast with Matt Preston from uh, MasterChef. Oh, the chef, right. Yeah, yeah, um, public golfer, Matt Preston. Oh. Um, Is and, he the guy with uh, the cravat? He and, always wears a cravat. Yeah, with the cravat. Okay. Um, Did he have very his cravat on? Fellow. He's, a, he's a great broadcaster. He's a terrific okay. broadcaster. Right. And, and James... What if you know, golf James, in a James is doing a great job being able to retell the story and, and, and you know, came down and did some media with us last year, um, that sort of thing. But basically what we did is that we wanted to build a vision that um, didn't assume that this space could just be for golfers. And right. so there's a lot of space there. And I think Marrickville um, in Sydney there that's had a similar fight and, and looks like they're coming out the end of it quite positively, um, the thing is that they – um, they're, they're only on a few more hectares than Northcote and Marrickville's 18 holes and Northcote's nine. Mm. And so we've always said there's a there's a heap of space in there that's not being used for the for golf. So pathways could be created. Um, there was space there for potentially a community garden or an Indigenous uh, plant nursery um, that could then incorporate the work of, say, the NARAP team, which is the environmental bush crew of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the First Nations people on the land upon which Northcote is today. Uh, there'd be scope there for, you know, a pavilion to have community groups who don't have a home. So say the local Scrabble Club yeah. uh, that meet in different places that if you're a Darabin registered club, you get a, a small rent to go and use a room there and, People were saying also, "Hey, I live close to the course, and and for those who might, you know, it's it's you know, it's in a dense urban area, but surrounded by a lot of parks. Mm. Uh, but it's a long way from the high street, so High Street Northcote and Sydney Road in Brunswick and Coburg, and folks saying there's not many places you can go and get a decent coffee nearby. So to have something like that developed, and and for the community to go in, and for the golf course to be." you know, quite well positioned to be able to be a community hub. Part of something. Um, that yeah, and, and then also so. some of the arguments that were being put forward by the councillor who w- has really had this golf course in his sights for quite some time um, said, oh, you know, it could be rewilded, what have you. And we said, of course it could be like um, golf courses, as we discussed last time, are uh, far more biodiverse than a local park. Mm. Uh, and there's a corridor there that quite deliberately was left, um, the Mary Creek Management Committee, and we think the Wurundjeri also, the Wurundjeri, the first people, uh, quite a number of years ago indicated that uh, the side where the fifth hole is, which runs along the boundary of the Mary Creek on the on the Northcote side, the Northcote Thornbury side, um, was deliberately left sort of not developed because that's a, that's a corridor for the swamp wallabies that go through there and lots of other little critters that um, enjoy life there. And interestingly, during the lockdown, when people brought their dogs and 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 people came and picnicked and that sort of thing, is that a lot of that wildlife disappeared. Yeah. And it's got a beautiful, rich bird life as well. And local residents said that the bird life reduced by over, you know, like maybe 70% would be their estimates. And, and so... Um, we, we sort of came up, we've come up with a plan on www.northcotthub.com uh, that said, um, that basically said, uh, we, um, we've got a vision that could be a win for the environment, a win for the community with better access to a really state-of-the-art facility, um, maybe an improved experience for the public golfer, and definitely a win for the ratepayer because parks do not create revenue no. 
And they are, they have the opposite. a golf course at 24 hectares that size would be in the tens to twenties to thirties of millions of dollars to repurpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what happened on Monday night, uh, the, through a community consultation process that happened sort of late October, November, December last year, and then inviting those who participated in an online submission, uh, they finally accepted 7,000 submissions, sent emails out to folk, and then about 70 people did video submissions, which is the only kind of qualitative data we've got. And it ran, you know, around about 50-50 in people that were motivated to speak about that. Now, about 5% of people play golf. Um, if 50% of the community on the videos are saying, I support uh, golf being retained, and then non-golfers supporting golf mm. being retained, we were re- very proud of how our job was done. The community consultation, the report from council officers with a proper academic study done by an outside consulting group, um, you know, with peer review and um, just, you know, coding qualitative data, basically, they came up with uh, the rough figure that two-thirds of the community wanted golf retained. And four and a half thousand of those submissions were not included. And we suspect that, um, that, you know, we're not, there's no major conspiracy theories there, but we suspect that a good weighting of those might have been supportive of um, uh, golf being retained. And what was, what we're picking up as well is that the vision of the hub was mentioned probably more than anything else. And uh, just to finish, um, uh, the recommendations of the council officers were for nine holes to be retained. There was to be a change to the fifth hole, which is that hole that runs along the creek boundary, um, which some of the environmental groups we think will be concerned about. But on balance, we've always said the Northcote Community Golf Hub supports nine holes of golf seven days a week in daylight hours on the Northcote Public Golf Course. And our group formed the position that we thought the recommendation of the council officers to slightly reconfigure the course and give about 5.7 hectares back to parkland was a really decent compromise and we accepted it. Uh, And so we uh, made a submission at the council meeting on Monday night encouraging the councillors, the nine councillors, to vote simply on the council officer's recommendation as presented. Uh, An hour of questions that we didn't think were going to be allowed um, went ahead uh, and uh, our uh, fairly raucous um, opposing community group, uh, you know, w- um, caused a bit of drama, et cetera, uh, and um, effectively on the floor, uh, it appeared that made up on the fly, they put an amendment in that was vigorously debated, but in the end one particular councillor pushed through that they will investigate the financial viability of golf finishing at 3 p.m., which would mean the last tee time's about 1 o'clock every day. So they've gone from offering uh, the council officers a mixed space model, which we thought was always going to be a great way of sharing the space, to having another bite of the cherry and uh, going for temporal sharing, like time (laughs) sharing, Um, and uh, we we have arrived very quickly at a position to say that that could be the death knell of the golf course, oh, and and we we also believe that our opponents are not are not acting in a genuine spirit of compromise. Um, this is a strategy to uh, ultimately just kill the golf course, and for them to achieve um, their vision for not sharing. And turning the space into a park, and we and we um, we we're the community group that said we would like to share. And what they've done to kind of achieve, what you know, they're quite happy this week with what they've achieved. But it's not a done deal. Um, is that along the way um, this week? I said in the age, um, their behaviour has been such that the diverse people who play at golf at golf at Northcote, they've. For convenience, stereotype them as, you know, uh, male, pale and stale. And uh, basically that's just not the truth about who plays there. And and along the way it's got a bit nasty and um, to the point that they've virtually been dehumanising the folk who are there. I could give you the names of, you know, people like Chandra who's 72, 
grandfather who plays with his grandson there sometimes. Chandra plays about four days a week. He's always chipping at the at the putting green and born in Malaysia and um, just loves coming and being down at the course. You know, we've got to know these people. Mm. And, um, and yeah, so it's been, it's been a week where a comprehensive report, thousands of hours of work by council officers, the biggest community consultation in the history of Darabin and one council officer said to me, probably the biggest in the history of Melbourne municipalities. And, looking like they were just sort of shooting a few ideas around, came up with, what, about three o'clock as well? Um, And so one council officer declared, one councillor declared her her long-time stance and basically said her vision was never to, you know, to to remove golf from there. So I'll finish by saying, you know, this week, um, uh, did you know there was a federal election last weekend? I heard something about it on Sunday <laughs> or Monday, I think. Yes, indeed. Um, Bridget um, Archer, yeah. who won the seat of Bass against the tide of- um, In Tasmania, yeah. The, the swing against- uh, and, and she's the person who uh, crossed the floor against Scott Morrison on ICAC. Uh, <clears throat> they said, how did you win? And she said, well, I've always- felt that the priority for a local member is to listen to the voices of the people and politicians don't serve themselves well by having a modus operandi of um, making decisions from a fixed point of ideology and we think this is what's happened this week. It's funny you should say that. Well, sorry, Logue, you can... Well, I'm shocked at that's how councils operate. That's, uh... <laughs> well, this does raise an interesting point. So for me, the Northcote thing has always been as much as anything in the bigger picture about a potential blueprint for what public golf might look like. And what you've outlined there, Bill, is unfortunately got nothing to do with golf and everything to do with politics. The reality is that if golf wants to be in this space... We have to learn how to play those political games. It's unseemly. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Bill, Most, Bill wants to do it. Golf is very lucky to have an advocate on, like Bill. Golf side. Like most politicians who go into politics with noble ideas, it very quickly becomes clear that those things get eaten away and that that's not how politics works. And it's a shame, Bill. However, all golf can do, and it's what we failed to do for so long, as you've pointed out, is tell our story better. Now, if anybody follows Sandy Jamison on Twitter, would see daily. Sandy's been a great support to us. Well, and Sandy's not doing it for any other reason than just to simply say, and this is the, the lesson golf can take from Sandy, this is actually who plays. So if you're on the side of the discussion that says, I don't play golf, therefore golf shouldn't exist, this is who you're taking golf away from if you achieve that goal. And that's a dangerous way for that discussion to sort of happen because those people, as you say, have not been represented in this discussion at all, Bill. So there's some... It needs a marketing campaign of some sort. Outside of golf, but also which, within Which, golf. which cr- takes that from... Because it's mainly golfers following of Sandy Jamison's Twitter. Um, and uh, actually, Emma Emma Ballard would be very pleased Emma to be getting be. a mention. Yes. Uh, but she ran this great campaign, which we'll link to uh, in the show when notes. When you say but, we, <laughs> you'll send me the link. I'll send you a link. Um but it did a great job of communicating what golf means to these other groups as well, and and you know it's non typical. Yeah. Uh, but and unfortunately that campaign didn't get uh, as good a coverage as it deserved. Because and she it was, was excellent disapp- work. That's right. She was disappointed with how long it ran for as well. You've got to yeah. give things time to work, and it didn't get the results. That's right. Required. But how does how does golf do that? Like how does golf break out of its own little bubble? Well, just touches something I mentioned. Communicate some of this in stuff. the the lead up there. So we went and had a look at a couple of the stories when we knew we were going to get you on, Bill. Had a look at a couple of stories floating around. There's lots of lazy reporting. Yep. Pick, and I know how this works because I've been a daily hack tabloid <laughs> newspaper reporter and you take the easy stuff there's no need to understand issues it's really quite simple man bites dog is a story dog bites man is not so there's been a lot of lazy reporting what did the what was the age uh, the abc the abc's headline, headline was northcote uh, northcote golfers forced to share course with the public after darabin council Darabin ruling, council, Darabin council ruling. Forced to share course. Yeah, that's right. It was so, the it was the headline. That's right. Which is not which is it's not, it's not completely wrong, but it's not accurate. It mischaracterizes it's perfect the position. Daily newspaper talk. hack tabloid journo fodder. You can't sort of prove against it. Uh, so therefore you can sort of get away with it. And so that sort of thing is a problem. The politics of it, Bill, I mean, 
golf's not your passion per se, is it? This issue has become obviously a very big part of your life, but you're not like us. You're not a golf nerd who's into golf course architecture. You probably didn't watch much of the PGA the week just gone. You're probably not itching oh, to no, get back no, and watch I am, the- I'm keen. Like, I mean, I, I've always been a keen golfer, but I've played public golf all yeah. my life. So I haven't, you know, um, it's, a, it's a treat if you get an invitation to go and play at a private course or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, I grew up playing at Wattle Park Golf Course nine-hole golf course in um, in the southeastern suburbs near where I grew up in Burwood. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, every holiday um, our family goes to Apollo Bay. Ah, um, I've heard And so there Apollo Bay has beautiful. that beautiful fantastic. nine-hole course on the, on the headland and you can pay, t- you know, if you're there for two weeks, you can pay, you can actually pay 250 bucks and get a three-month uh, uh city-based membership because they're in the country <laughs> and you can play unlimited golf there and uh you know just I, i've played hundreds of games there and and so um but no i haven't you know i haven't been a weekend competition golfer um but yeah i do look i i do uh love the majors and those sorts of things so but it's not i i take your point um it's not because of that that i um that I have uh, taken, you know, joined this campaign. But the interesting thing is, um, Rod and Adrian, is that, um, you know, the um, Northcote Golf Course is the place, you know, when you tell the stories of folk who are there, um, you know, because I'd grown up playing golf and, you know, I've got two kids in their 20s now. uh, And so my youngest is my son, Jack, who's, you know, turning 26 um, in a couple of months, and uh, when he was about ten or eleven, we took him down in the suite of things of kids trying different sports. He played Aussie Rules, he played soccer for a lot of his time, um, but we took him down to get lessons at Northcote, which were being offered at a really reasonable rate um, by a fellow by the name of Luke Isaacs, was the professional there then, a Noongar man who was living in Melbourne. He's gone on to do um, a lot of work himself, Luke, with. Um, Indigenous youth and creative music projects and different things. What a wonderful teacher he was. And Jack and his mate Michael remember Luke with affection and they go and have a they go and have their lesson and then they'd go and see Barb in the in the in the pro shop and they'd pay their little rate because they were part of the program and they'd go around and play nine holes. You know, buy a pie, have a soft drink, and that's that's you know almost like an old fashioned healthy activity for kids. Now that, that's a community uh, activity, isn't it, Bill? That's, that's exactly right. what a community should want, be it golf or something else. The golf is the least important part of that, and the yeah, community yeah. about what's happening. And the there. stats I've learned are that if a young person gets lessons uh, and plays a little bit, and then maybe goes off and plays soccer like Jack did, there's a high chance they're in a higher proportion chance to mm. come back and right. refine the game. Yeah. And he is back playing with a vengeance and he'll play three or four times a week at Northgate. And he's a, he is a call centre worker. He, he and his partner, Jess, were living in Brunswick for a while through most of the lockdown um, and he couldn't get across uh, to Northgate, not that it was open, uh, but, you know, one bedroom flat um, and uh, basically, you know, working for a call centre from home and then they're back because uh, they've got a bit of rent stress uh, you know the old revolving uh, revolving door with <laughs> hey, uh, adult kids, and uh, but you know um, it's extraordinary. You know, like you know, you, if you're you know, a teenage kid, you'd be prone to the odd sleep in. Um, it's extraordinary sometimes where he might have said, um, "Dad, do you want to have a hit tomorrow? I've got you know, like my my shift starts at ten, and uh, I, I work for myself from home, so." Uh, you know, it's extraordinary when your young bloke's knocking on the door, going, "Dad, come on, we've got to get ready." You know, uh, and just just those sorts of things because it's a it's a deep motivation for him. But whilst um, that's sort of uh, core in my belly, and and you know, um, some of the prejudice is against uh, fellas playing golf. I think it's a great pursuit for young men. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the thing is, what's happened for him? He's joined the little club that's there, which is getting bigger. Playing the Saturday morning comps, I think he's number three and player of the year at the moment. He's, ha- he's having a good little streak. His handicaps come down. But what's lovely about it, you know, he'll have a hit with his mate Dan. He'll uh, have a game with uh, Barb, who's there, or Linda, who's part of the group, who are, you know, in their 50s and 60s. He'll have a hit with Peter Kahn, who um, 
uh, was born overseas, uh, or with Jim Shuhud, um, the the president, uh, born in regional Lebanon, uh, they've become his friends. And so he's got multi-generational friends. And this is the great thing that our game can do. Mm. Um, And the thing that we learnt, and so the thing is, there's my core motivation, but very quickly, as this group of enthusiastic local residents, um, we've been mischaracterised as being part of big golf. Uh, They've said uh, that, um, you know, they're being financed by Golf Australia. Well, we went to David Galicchio. I reached out to David Galicchio on LinkedIn. We went to them. Uh, We're a genuine local community group who, when you put in the comparative thousands of hours, um, we've had a little bit of support from Golf Australia and it's not unreasonable for them. Uh, You know, like I I think the thing is that uh, where the people who started a process of thinking that they could just get this popular movement for people to go, let's get rid of golf on the golf course and have a park because we enjoyed it during lockdown, I, I honestly reckon if um, the, the particularly the councillor who thought this might be a done deal um, might have been surprised at the organisation that happened. So I'd say that what happened for me was that I very quickly became passionate about um, a positive solution for the community. Captured, so, we, you know, we haven't built a building yet and we're, we see that, you know, achieving the vision of the hub and, and maybe a new pavilion would be negotiating and going to state government with a, you know, with a case for the community. Uh, and they're hearing us. We know that they're hearing us, the state government. Um, but captured almost in spirit, in the last Sunday in February, we had an event called the Rainbow Cup. Um, and uh, Julie Williams, not the councillor, but Julie Williams, who lives in Thornbury and got married to her wife Emma on Phillip Island last year and appeared in our brochure, um, which got criticised as, you know, oh, they've just put these people up that aren't, you know, real. Like Julie plays golf at Northcote. Her wife Emma doesn't, but would love to, you know, uh, have a beverage whilst Julie was having a hit in the new facility. Um, uh, the Rainbow Cup happened and, you know, old sort of, Emerging from traditional Northcote Golf Club, Jim hosted this day, great, great president of the club, just made people totally welcome. Uh, we had an Ambrose comp, nine-hole comp, and the, a young guy went down, to, uh, Jack Hendy, who lives just, a, you know, maybe a five-iron from the course. Uh, Jack went with Julie down to Midsummer Festival, which is like Melbourne's Mardi Gras, and, and people from all over Melbourne had the opportunity to register for this day. And so we had this day where... LGBTIQ plus and and non-LGBTIQ plus people came together in Ambrose teams to play the thing they have in common, uh, oh. you know, the game of golf that they love. Selfishly use this course that nobody else can uh, get onto. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? Darabin Council, which would be all over, you know, they just recently celebrated Ida Hobbit Day and, you know, if you look at their website, it, you know, Rightly so, because we've got a large LGBTIQ plus community. And, you know, as Julie has said, as part of our group, you know, um, in, and I think it's a phenomenon, in a lot of inner city um, communities, you know, housing prices were, you know, a little bit lower <laughs> in the 80s and 90s. And so we've got this richly diverse community. Um, but we did sort of joke with Jack and Julie at the end of the day, because we did this all off our own steam. And they they were the drivers of it. Um, we just said, um, yeah, the lack of interest from council, although I will cons- I will say that, the you know, informally, off her own bat, the mayor, Lena Messina, did come and attend that day and she really enjoyed the company of people. She came to the lunch and the presentation. But in terms of recognition formally from the council, you know, we went and asked the question, did you know this happened? We were pleased that you attended Lena Messina. Um, we just said to Jack and Julie, you might be the wrong kind of gay people, you know. <laughs> Well, because you play golf, you see. This is politics. Um, and it doesn't politics. fit the narrative of our group. That's right. Um, old white guys, you know, just old white men who are really rich. Well, um, Northcote Community Golf Course looks like the community that surrounds it. All public and, golf and, and, the, and, and our vision is that, that it can be absolutely integral, the flow between the golf course and the community, whilst fences are there to protect cars not being hit by golf balls, um, <clears throat> We're suggesting that the Northcote Community and Golf Hub has metaphorically brought the fences down already. The opponents are trying to say 
there's bad people that are in there. There's people that, you know, don't deserve, they don't represent the demographic, um, and it's just not true. And and when you talk about the ABC, um, the, the sort of key spokesperson for the Unlock Group got, you know, a really free run on Raphael Epstein's drive program the other day. Um, and Raph, you know, has had, uh, when the lockdown happened, he had a sort of urban design guy on um, his program where... I remember, and he was talking about, oh, you know, like, what can we imagine with spaces? I look at Northcote, you know, with the with the lockdown, how people enjoyed it for a picnic. Well, the thing is, if you look at the rich parkland that surrounds Northcote, since there hasn't been lockdowns, everyone's back in the cafes and bars, and there's more people playing golf than there are having picnics now. More to the point, though, Bill, if you really want to see what happens when you close a golf course and turn it into a park, go and have a look at Elston Week, yeah. which is actually oh, just, no a weed, just a weed-infested paddock. Yeah. That's, that's the reality of what happens when you close the golf course. Part of the problem of what's happened at Northcote, of course, is people who've never been to a golf course before walked on the golf course and said, this is magnificent, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. it's beautifully mowed. Everything why, why is that? Everything, that's exactly Because right. it's a golf course. That's exactly right, and golfers pay for that to be the case. And so very quickly it becomes a very disappointing piece of weed-infested ground that the council doesn't want to spend any money to keep it in the condition of a golf course. Therefore, people just stop going to it, and now it's a lose-lose. And, and why is it green space at all still like if you there's a lot of detail in this and the debate you know centers on a lot of very detailed topics but if you zoom out of the whole thing and have a look on google maps there's the reason why this is such a one of the reasons why this is such a hot point is because there's this big green space and why and it's surrounded by suburbia pushing in at every angle Mm -hmm. why is it a big green space that still has survived Mm-hmm. like all these decades, it's because it's a golf course. That's exactly right. I guarantee if it wasn't a golf course, that that urban encroachment would have come and, and eaten it all up Indeed. all the way to the boundaries of that, that river that runs through it. And you'd have a lot less – there wouldn't be a big blob of green space no, in the maps. It's green, no, and that, that's right. That that's applies right. to almost every <clears throat> metropolitan map that you look at in Australia. It, actually, not almost. It applies to every metropolitan exactly. map you look at in Australia. When you cast your eye over it casually and look at the big green spots, they're big green spots because they're golf courses. And golf courses preserve those. Do they manage them as well as they could be? No. Are they improving at that? I think they are. Broadly, yes, yes, they are. Yeah. And, and here's a group of people who are putting forward – um, some proposals which actually look to address those issues that actual uh, vision the, the actual vision that golf isn't doing as well as it could um, in looking after these green spaces let's preserve the green spaces tick yeah. step one achieve step two look after them a look bit after better. them better and step three invite them in so they're not a golf space they're just a community space where golf well, is professor, a part of it professor nick williams who's Very also much, the yeah. president of the friends of mary creek uh did a study he he's did. at melbourne university and they did a study and you know Academically proved that golf courses are more biodiverse than your average park. than your average park, which is so. Just so to run I over. take your yeah. point. We're, we've got an environmental vision to rewild it, and and this was the argument of the council who's pushing. Oh, we could rewild a park, but you could rewild that golf course and um, create a wetland and all that sort of thing, funded by a viable business, um, yeah, profitable yeah. local golf course. How, how do you fund a park? I mean, it's a, it'd just be a money pit. And, the, and there's a big issue here in Darabin because Northcote is in the richest park space but also socioeconomic area of Darabin. In the northern parts of uh, Darabin and Reservoir, they're trying to build a 50-metre pool um, and, uh, you know, Northcote's getting a 50-metre pool. Um, there's a lot of um, social inequity and to concentrate more parkland in the most park-rich space of Darabin, on, literally on all sides of the golf course, there are parks within, you know, um, at least a driver's hit, and uh, and they're just um, they're just choosing not to acknowledge that the folk that are trying to get this extra space. Um, one of the guys continually refers to one of the holes as the Julie Andrews hole, like one of the guys who's our opponent. You know, just said it's like that climb every mountain moment. Well, one of the movies um, I, I'd refer to from that era would be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and was it Veruca Salt who went in and said, sang that song, I Want It All? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, <indeed. laughs> that's it. That's it. They just, they've just wandered onto there and said, oh, we'll have this. Yeah. We'll have this. Bill, this, this and, is, um, exactly. This is nice. We should have it. Um, yeah. Now, leaving that aside, though, Bill, there's, there's a couple yeah. of things that that raises apart from anything else. 
Do those people feel, are they comfortable, though, with the notion that their own children will be denied the opportunity to decide whether they for themselves like golf? By removing golf, it's no longer the option that Bill's son had to go down and have the lessons at Northcote. If Northcote hadn't existed, where does Bill take his son to maybe learn golf? We're now talking about having to go to a different suburb, and we've talked about the problems with that before. Make the case, if it's possible, that it's a good thing to deny the next generation the opportunity to at least experience golf in a reasonable way. And I find it very tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I don't think that's even a consideration, is it? I, I don't think – I mean, I imagine a lot of the people – I'm, I'm a person like any other person. I've probably advocated – like any other person. I, I probably, I've advocated for things that um, – uh, we'll just go skip over that. Uh, I've, I've advocated for things that I believe in, but then – I, I might win the thing and I don't actually participate in the thing that I've won. <laughs> um, and so it's a weird way of saying, I imagine a lot of the people who are advocating against this golf course aren't going to run out and no. take a picnic there the next day, the very next day. Well, maybe the next day, but certainly not in six months once it's overgrown. No, they're not going to go out continually celebrating with picnics. There'll be, you know, some percentage of them that do. Um, but again, yeah, you're right. It's only an attract, like they're only amazed by how what an attractive area it is because it's maintained as a golf course um and golfers i think don't even understand that fully like golfers imagine that if you leave a golf course alone for six months that it's still going to be nice yeah no (laughs) (laughs) um and i I can only imagine that non-golfers what non-golfers think about that they think oh it's just magically the gnomes come in and and magically maintain it and it's still going to be a beautiful place for me to lay a picnic basket out yeah, it's it's interesting you're talking about you know kids and everything part of this campaign that's occurred too was that um the council report in in the end said these submissions were outside the scope but somebody a local parent i don't know where it came from but we believe in the report well the report says that four four local schools um went in uh somebody went into the schools and and took in a stencil of you know the the perimeter of the golf course saying on the top of it darabin council wants to know what you want to do with this space it didn't indicate so that it was currently the northcote golf course and right. they su- they've um submitted 800 drawings from local school children you know wanting different things and one of the guys it might have been the dad who organized it i don't know but in the video submissions he put his two kids on and you know they they had earnestly sort of drawn their drawing mm-hmm. Um, saying, you know, I'd like an amphitheatre or I'd like some trees to climb in or what have you. But um, it was, uh, you know, I come from an education background and um, uh, we we certainly can confirm that the Northcote Community and Golf Hub were not invited to go and give a perspective on, you know, one community group's idea on the story. So it was very, um, Mm. we think that it was um, probably a very indoctrinating kind of class lesson, interesting use of state government funds. Um, And and so when you talk about children, the thing is children become older people in the future. And one of the things we've learned along the way, I don't know if you've ever met Shiloh Curtis, who used to be the diversity officer for Golf Australia. She she lives um, in Coburg now and has played at Northgate. And and she brought to our attention something that, you know, uh, is that if you take golf away, the last, the last generation of uh, women that perhaps haven't had that this girl can you know program you know the, all all the things that happen for the all the things that have happened so positively for young people and women and girls and women in sport is that <clears throat> we know that golf is one of the few sports that people can play all their life, and so the removal of a golf course and for those kids would be to consider it actually would be discriminating against older women. As well, oh, it discriminates um, against older people. Full stop. Sports fields are for people aged between eight and thirty-five. Yeah, fifty-year-olds for the most part are not playing AFL or soccer or cricket or very little of it. Lots and lots and lots of those people play golf. One of the reasons it has this ridiculous reputation as an old-person sport is because there's some truth to it. You can still play it when you're in your sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. It's one of the great joys of golf and something we should celebrate. Yeah, but the point we need to make is it's not just for those people. I want to come to. I note the time we're is sort of getting away from us if we're not sort of careful. Um, and I know we've mm-hmm. lost our video too. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, uh, yeah. is that this this whole notion of closing the golf course at three o'clock, which seemed to be this last minute thing, come in? 
those of us who play golf and understand know straight away that would in fact be signing the death warrant for the golf course. Uh, it's important to say, and it's what a lot of people have latched onto this close at 3 p.m. idea. It's not a done deal, is it? No, and interesting. I've just had a text from, you know, this is like the, you know, we're we're really on to this because, you know, um, it's you know, a couple important. of political stunts. But basically, the councillor who, um, the councillor who's sort of really been the architect of this this attempt to really whittle down golf and ultimately make it unviable, um, you know, he'll deny that. But um, his behaviour shows something different. Um, and happy to challenge him on that. But, you know, this colleague of ours who's part of our group says that on the socials he's refusing to walk back comments to state that 3 p.m. is locked in. So there's a sense that's been communicated amongst them that 3 p.m. is going to happen, um, but it's subject to a report from council officers that would investigate the financial viability. Mm. So you've only got to say, well, 1 o'clock's the last tea time. Uh, that's about 40% of most daylight <clears throat> gone. It's going to be somewhere north of forty percent of the revenue gone, unless, unless uh, I, I did make a mistake in the age. After one o'clock, it's fifteen bucks to play unlimited golf at Northgate, right? Um, so, would the people who go and use it as a park be happy to pay fifteen bucks? Well, it's, they, they call that the rich, uh, the rich person's uh, time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> fifteen. It's reserved. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit discriminatory against people that don't have flexible hours as well. Yeah. Of course it is. Absolutely. And school kids. You know, yeah. When do, when are the kids, kids going to play? Tradies. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, you know, just people, you know, it's just the, oh, I'm, I've got my clubs in the back. I might just go and have a hit at Northcote. Yeah. Especially the, you get a nice bit of twilight in Melbourne oh, at certain times of year. Yeah. You can play actually quite late. Yeah. It, it yeah. sounds to me like something that has been misinterpreted, but then, you know, taken further because I think at Marrickville there is uh, something. I think it might be on Sundays that the first Doggy drinks the first fairway only yeah. is closed from three pm. Something like that. It sounds like somebody's taken that, misinterpreted it, and then taken it further and uh, misapplied it to this. We've had this discussion before. You are not nearly cynical enough. <laughs> not nearly cynical enough. You're, you're prescribing something innocent there. No, I, I take you. I, I, you I like. Might be right about what is it? Hanlon's razor. Never. Never ascribe malice to Always something. Always ascribe be. malice. No. And <laughs> if you have to it's walk just it back later, then probably you, you do so. But it's uh, – no, I, I do uh, I do take But that, that works very well at Marrickville, the 3 p.m. thing on Sundays. It's – for a start, it's Sundays when mm. there is some interest they in They have jazz on the, dogs. the they have jazz. balcony there, don't they? And that's real the community hub, thing. It turns into the community hub that Bill is envisaging for Northcote. Exactly. We, yeah. we, took, um, we took a lot of, uh, you know – ideas and, you know, like great leadership from what they've done at Marrickville. Which, again, is an inner city Acknowledge that, cool the, you know, and, and definitely that could be, you know, we, we we certainly would be open to saying, you know, one Sunday afternoon a month or, you know, like or if there was some way that one of the holes was opened up and, you know, there was some compensation to people out playing golf. The other thing that we <laughs> thought is, you know, like if you did have a um, a regular day that you could sort of, have um, three holes of um, three holes of golf, and and people could come down and try three holes of uh, disc golf, and and there's also a foot golf course there um, at you know at Northcote already, and so um, it's one of the more popular foot golf courses um, that can easily coexist with the traditional golf that's there. So we're certainly open to a community day that still gives people a chance to go and play, and then you know obviously you know. Crackerjack probably um, won the day, didn't they? With you know drinks at genuine nineteen seventies prices, <laughs> that sort of thing. Being able to, I think at Marrickville they wheel out a few eskies and stuff and make a you know do a bit of fundraising in in that sense of have a license on the first hole and all of that stuff. We reckon could be great. I mean, they're talking about doing um, you know outdoor cinema, but what you know what if the hub had a rooftop cinema? Yeah, yeah where you could watch it all year. So you know, there's there's all that sort of stuff that we know um, is potentially in there, but it's a bridge too far to go your last tea time is one o'clock. And we just won't, we, we've just agreed that that's something where we'd be, we'd be incredibly surprised if the council officer's report came back and said, there's a financial viability in closing 
the golf course for almost half of the day. Oh, you'd need to be beyond incompetent to come to that conclusion. So I can't see that that could happen. I mean, anybody who's acting in any sort of good faith could not come to that um, conclusion. Just, Rod and uh, Adrian, be aware that um, at one stage the Premier said, I'm never, I'm never ever shocked at things I hear coming out of Darabin <laughs> Council now. All right, well, let's- he said that in a press conference that's last year. Right, I don't want to be a political hack. Um, we recognise that. Look, it's, it's been so sad to be dragged into it politics because when you're trying to put forward a positive vision and then you've got people that are actually, you know, it was interesting in the last week of the federal election um, there's a good metaphor that we can borrow, and um, in terms of someone being characterised as a bulldozer, and then the per- other person saying, "I'm a builder," um, we are not the bulldozers. No. The people who want to turn the place into a park are, are bulldozing golfers out of Northcote um, simply because they enjoyed something during lockdown and they want it, and it have got no accountability in terms of saying what would that be the cost to the ratepayer. And what would they, they just want yeah. a park? Indeed. They just want a park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one of my favourite sayings, Bill: "Any donkey can kick a door down, but it takes a carpenter to build one." Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. I, I reckon that's a very. It's good. a really, really, really good. Any donkey can kick a door down, but yeah, know, yeah. yeah. Well, we're not. We choose not to. Um, dehumanise no, our opponents. I get it, but I can. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but uh, it's <laughs> it's important because you know, interestingly, um, just one other thing that um, you know again has been attacked by the people who are opposing us is um, the local member for Northcote, Kat Theophanis, um, uh, has written some really good things on Facebook recently and did make a response to Monday night because. She's um, thrown her hat into the ring in terms of um, getting $200,000 into the budget, uh, the state budget for this year, uh, that didn't come, that didn't take money away from community sport, um, but uh, has come from general revenue. And, and Ros Spence, who's the Minister for Community Sport, has granted it on the basis that a golf course architect could go and create a design. So the council officers have drawn a mud map basically, which isn't a bad first attempt at what the reconfigured course might look like. But if you got a Mike Clayton in there or someone like that with the brief that there's community input of uh, the other spaces that won't be used for golf, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the potential to kind of go, where is a hidden gem? Like you could run the golf course maybe in a different direction. Yeah. This is the thing. Um, I know that everyone in the last two years has become an armchair epidemiologist, but around here, there's a few of us that have become armchair golf architects. Welcome aboard, and, Bill. <laughs> Join yeah, no, us. I know, and it's and it's like what you know, seeing what we can't see yet, um, and uh, and so she's put some you know um, investment in there that could get that solution, uh, and then ultimately that would leave it open for us then to lobby and say there's a case to build a pavilion that could be the symbolic central hub for the community coming together. It could be the the representation of a positive community consultation that happened to, you know, make Northcote Golf Course a template for 21st century golf. Yeah, indeed. And, um, and she wrote on Facebook this week, this move um, to, you know, uh, close golf at three o'clock um, is pitting neighbour against neighbour. Yeah, yeah, mm. it is. It's, it's I, divisive. I just want to mention armchair architect Matt Mollica who uh, sent a message to Rod and I suggesting... Great friend of the pod. A friend of the pod who suggested that uh, you could route the first few holes around the perimeter of the course Mm. so that golfers are off those holes relatively quickly and then the rest of the holes are in the sort of interior contained within that... Oh, Matt, Matt will have drawings, he'll have he drainage <laughs> maps, he'll have done <laughs> all of it. Because, uh, he will. And then you've got golfers towards the end of the day in this inner thing with a buffer zone between them and the parkland that's at the two ends. I do want to mention a couple of the good things that came out of it. And, they, you know, they came out of the recommendations that um, the council officers gave the council. Uh, this So 5.72 hectares of land at the southern and northern ends of the course turned into local parklands mm-hmm. and linked by a shared path. Yeah, wonderful. That, yeah. that sentence there, it's exactly what we've all been saying is, you know, put something accessible. Having it at both ends, I think, is is really clever mm-hmm. as well because we, we have that argument at Moore Park where there's people on that South Dowling Street yeah. side of Moore Park which have to get through the golf course to get to the abundant parkland yeah. that's on the other side. 
and more park could benefit perhaps from finding some pathway yeah, through the course? Definitely. Well, those, that pathway connects to the parkland that's on the um, uh, Brunswick-Coburg side of the Merry Creek uh, with uh, Ceres Environment Park and Jones Park, which has got undulations just like the golf course and a wetland. So our opponents are saying, oh, we're a long way from anything like Darabin Parklands. Well, Jones Park's just across the creek yeah. and, a, and a really big linear um, Merry Creek pathway and heaps of parks on that side. And then there's Mayer Park. On the other side, and you know, a few years, which has got a cricket and a foot uh, cricket and a soccer club, and a few years ago there was the Mayor Park Master Plan that imagined a new facility that might be shared by the golf, soccer, and cricket clubs. Um, and again, there's so many similarities. Like that vision could you know could be the community hub, and the pathway that they've drawn is very similar to the one on our website hmm. that we put on there. Like we, it was a no-brainer to connect. Uh, that and and you know look on the funding, it's a no-brainer for you know an opportunity to show that different levels of government can work together as well. And and we're calling out to the mayor to say, you went out on a financial, you know, prudent uh, camp, you know, sort of platform when you won your election, and and whilst we can't preempt it, you you've just got to apply the logic that it's not financially viable to stop golf half of the day. Um, and uh, if if the council officer's original report gets through, it would be a massive show of leadership on her part. Indeed. Anything else in there that you wanted to quickly mention? Uh, no, but I, I just it did occur to me earlier when you were talking about Swamp Wallabies that that would be a great band name. I thought <laughs> <laughs> might be a spin-off podcast, Swamp Wallabies, <laughs> yeah. the Swamp Wallaby podcast. Uh, uh, what what would you call it? The Starters Hut and the Swamp Wallabies. Yeah. That's right. Is there a room <laughs> for a Starter the Hut? Starter and the Swamp Wallabies? Is there a room for a Starters Hut in the plan? I could certainly retire down. Uh, yeah, I, I'm something not sure. really I mean, small. Like I think tiny. I think if we get through, we might. You know, you've been very supportive to us, Rob. We might. We'll, <laughs> We'll put up a, we'll put up one of those um, sort of temporary marquees that you can get at Bunnings, <laughs> and get you down one day, and uh, can you put maybe, up a, maybe ask Matt Preston to come down and you know do a do a sausage sizzle or something. Maybe a, away. a bronze statue of Rod, like holding Ooh. a microphone up yeah, in yeah. the air or something. It's a lot of bronze. Yeah. There's a lot of that. So you want to be a bit careful about <laughs> yeah. that. Well, uh, a bronze statue of you know Shiloh Curtis and Julie Williams yeah. and and um, you know all of the folk who've you know, put in a massive effort uh, here. Like we, 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 de- um, we definitely still have a pulse. Uh, we've just been subject in the last week to some, well, basically people ignoring the report. They weren't happy with it. And, and, and that's because once we, can, once we communicated with the community, this is a public golf course, people went, oh, Okay. Same thing happened that. here in Moore Park. The same thing happened here in Moore Park. Oh, the, yeah, the, okay. The attempt we to take demonize, away public golf, that's exactly right. We make it more elite. Yeah. We make it more elite. Exactly and, right. and, you know, just one last thing, fellas. We, we, our patron is Uncle Phil Cooper, who's not a Warren Jerry man, um, and, uh, but he's a, it's a high Indigenous population in um, Darabin. And Uncle Phil's lived here for most of his adult life. And um, he played his first game of golf at Northcote. Passionate golfer, and um, and a lot of you know, there, there's a place called the Aborigines Advancement League that um, was started by Sir Doug Nichols, who's honoured in the AFL round, um, Indigenous round. Um, uh, Uncle Phil and you know invited me down to their first ever AFL women's game last year, and just was introducing me to people because he he really wants to keep the golf course having golf on it, and every person that went past, they went, oh Northcote. That's where I played my first game. I right. played my first game at Northcote. Yeah. What they want to shut it down? Yeah. You know, and and this is the thing: who who plays at Northcote? Not Donald Trump. Um, I think uh, not Greg Norman, who's um, <laughs> not, 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 not representing <laughs> not representing our sport very well at the moment. You know, or, and I and I don't think Sam Newman's ever played there. And so, you know, we're saying that early days, but the community knows it's a public course now, and that's why two thirds of people in the community consultation in the official council officer's report says golf needs to be retained. If you take away golf during daylight hours, then it is the death knell. Oh, you take away golf, which begs the very final question, Bill. What next? So what are the next steps from here? Well, what next would be that um, we'll participate with council in good faith in giving them the information we need? Um, 
The other thing that we're going to start to do, and it's been difficult, but I've been I've been just slow. We'll put out a media release this week, but we feel like one of the important things is to tell the story of who plays there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, we're going to work hard with some of the talented people in our group to um, just show Chandra um, and the various you know the various people the the kids in the Tiger Golf Program who are there in increasing numbers. The sort of thing that we're Sandy going, does at Oakley to, is that what you? The sort of thing that Sandy Jamison does at Oakley is that what you've got in mind? Yeah, yeah. No, we've showcase? done a little bit of that. We've taken a lead from Sandy on that, and definitely if you look at our Twitter feed and our YouTube channel, we'll just be adding to that. Yeah. In terms of the, um, but we'll be asking people also to um, potentially just show themselves playing after three o'clock. Um, you know, just <laughs> take a photo, those sorts of things. Maybe you get a Rolex um, sponsorship on the first tee next to the starters hut there, Bill, that shows the time. So you can just have people <laughs> yeah, next and, to the um, and, and also, you know, yeah, if you get the best um, uh, social this week, we'll do a bronze. And I guess um, the other thing is that. Uh, you know, time's up really on um, this. You know, when I spoke about the Raphael Etchstein program the other day, the opponent of ours got a free run in just um, just belting out some things that were not factual. So the golf course, as we understand it, tentatively, we would be saying is now currently profitable, even without any love being given it to by a council. And we'll just be working hard to kind of refute some of the some of the language. They're saying that the golf course has been running at a loss. Well, if the golf course is running at a loss, so is the football ground that the Darabin Falcons oh, play on. Absolutely. You know, you know, so the thing is, is it a loss or is it, an, or is it an investment hmm. by the local council right. in one of the pastimes that a significant portion of the community play in? Yep. Not a lot of, you know, not, not 50% of people play every sport. Um, and so... You know, some of that stuff where we just probably need to keep going back and saying um, enough's enough. There's been for convenience some, uh, well, let's say it strongly, some lies told to try and achieve an outcome to go against the voice of the people in the community. Mis- misrepresentation is absolutely Yeah, Yeah, misrepresentation would be a good thing, but... Um, yeah. Um, Cl- Clover Moore... Might be telling fibs. Clover Moore posed for a photo... Um, Outside the fence of the Moor Park Golf Course for the Sydney Morning Herald, you know, with the the headline, you know, look at this, we're locked out here, and there's three people on this massive space inside because it's reserved for the few, and it's just, it's a complete misrepresentation of uh, how that works. Uh, Bill, been fabulous to talk to you. Fighting the good fight. Yeah, congratulations, good yeah. no, congratulations, and thank you from the golf community. Not, and here's the point, other point to make. Not everybody in the golf community is on board with what needs to happen either. We've got work to do in educating golfers as well about how golf needs to move forward. Uh, we've got everything ranging from apathy to quite dangerous people in the golf community. Uh, just on that, can people not put oh, inflammatory just, comments yeah. on things in social media? It may not make that big a difference, but don't just help. don't. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't help. It doesn't no, represent golf well. like a, a good golfer would. Show yeah. the etiquette. Exactly. Yeah. Like Read the etiquette of of um of of operating a public debate. You know um you know work in the world of facts and 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 also you know um you know we're trying to negotiate in good faith too. Yeah, it, golf is. I mean, it, it, this applies to so many things in life. But yeah, read what's there. Listen. You, that that ratio of you know two ears one mouth, yeah. and then if you've really got something to say that you've is well thought through and uh, is you know facts based, then you might be able to contribute to the argument. But you've really got to pass a a big test before you can allow yourself to not if you, should, you don't, not if you don't put your name <laughs> on it, like true, true. I mean, you should just hold yourself to very high Some standards service. before you try to contribute to these artic- uh, to these arguments because just throwing incendiary comments. Um, at the opposition on social media doesn't help at all. Doesn't help golf at all. It plays into the hands of the opposing team. Bill, appreciate your time, mate, as always. Great to catch up, and uh, thank you for the work that you're doing, and I'm sure it might be the last time we speak to you, and best of luck. No worries, Rod and Adrian. Well, hopefully the next time we speak, it might be that there's a a result that logic would say uh, means that the, um, the compromised, the good compromise that, you know, answers the voices of the community has actually been um, yeah. made to happen. Let's hope so. And hopefully we'll get a better golf course out of it. No, well, that, that's a oh, really no, exciting the possibility. The non-hole golf course exactly. in Australia. Let's, Could let's be Australia's all, winter park. Let's all get down there and, like, help with the shaping. And I'll do the starting. Get up trees and yeah. oh, throwing, fellas, throwing sprigs around to regrass. If anyone's, listen, 
if anyone's listening to this, um, our petition is uh, running at over 8,000 um, signatures. Nobody's listening and, to this, by the way. And if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you go to savenorthcotegolfcourse.org or uh, just go to change.org, but don't donate to change.org. It looks like you're giving money to us, but it goes in their pockets. Right. But do sign the petition. Okay. I'll put well, no, we'll put that that's, we'll put that link in the show notes as soon as Logue's looked it up and uh, forwarded it to me. Uh, yeah, great to catch up, Bill. Yeah, go on, fellas. Yeah, yep, that's it. We're going to let you go. So, um, yeah, no worries. Episode one hundred nine, I think. That's what you said. I think you've oh, done yeah. ten since yep. I. Um, yeah, one hundred nine <laughs> in the books. You were pre one hundred when I. Ch- I might have been ninety eight or ninety nine. You might have been too. Yeah. So uh, well done. You're, yeah, you're it was our first. A bit weird. Re- I can't see you guys now. I've just got a cat. Yeah, that's right. It's a, the the the. Um, oh, you're back. The video's turned itself off and now it's turned itself back on. Uh, thank you, Bill. We'll give you a wave goodbye. Thank you, Lo. Good to see you. 109 in the books, 110 coming up. I'm not sure when. We're on a really weird schedule at the moment. You're actually <laughs> – are you doing work? You're working, aren't you? You're, I'm busy. genuinely Pretty busy. busy. You're, You're busy. pretending to be yeah. busy, yeah. yeah. So, but we'll certainly yeah. be back to do it again soon. Here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.